Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> this is Captain Crinkle. My mom used to use this word for bisina, and what it means is that you're so like worked up, you, you can't really think straight. And I'm going to tell you, these guys, before we sat down to record the show, got me so for bisinid, I can't even think straight. Coming to you live from our Farbissimid houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, we explore the right brain, left brain dichotomy. If you're analytical, it means the left side of your brain is dominant. If you're creative, your right side dominates, or the other way around, or so the popular theory goes. World-renowned neuroscientist Dr. Christoph Koch is here to talk about our brains. Shut up, buddy. Which side of America's brain was working when we elected Donald Trump? Were we right brain, left brain, or hair brain? Plus, Tony Anita Hall is here with the mailbag. Nobody's rise to the defense of powdered milk, Captain Crinkle, and the proper pronunciation of Bernard Baruch. Right. Next thing you'll be telling me that the word I use all the time is pronounced fuck. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to keep this show's conversation flowing through the prefrontal cortex or onto the hippocampus and then to the cerebellum resulting in rational thought. And now, please welcome the woman whose brain bypasses its executive function every time a topic is broached, Paula Poundstone! Yay! Bravo! Bravo! I'm so glad to be with you guys. It's so it's so good for my mental health to be with you guys. Um, it sure is. Yeah, it is. It absolutely yeah. is. You know, um, okay, I know this happened a couple of weeks ago, but I just, I, okay, wait, before I say that, yeah, I want to say this. Thanks so much to tonight's house band, Kevin Kelso on the piano. Kevin Kelso is, is one of us. He's, he's. He's we're in his bio. He's been with us so many times. Yeah, well, he did. He did one of the most, if not the most, amazing uh, theme songs for our theme song contest. And then he wrote the ballad of uh, Captain Culpepper. He's prolific. He's very, he's very right brain, I think, or left brain, or, or yeah. No one ever talks about the central brain, but that's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we'll find out. I if would it is. say I feel as close to Kevin as as Bonnie was to share years ago. <laughs> yeah, oh I think God, I think it's guys, time to discuss the honestly. elephant in the room. You might have you might have heard that unique cold open from our own Bonnie Burns, Captain <laughs> Crinkle, saying that she was uh, for shimmeled or for clamped or or for bisoned, uh, before the show. <laughs> I can't remember which it was. <laughs> it I think was... it was. 
it was forbidden from walking with Cher anymore. So yeah. we were talking when we all we all were testing our microphones and this and that before the show began, and we were talking, and I was saying that I had read a tweet from Cher today, which uh, which was interesting to me in part because I had just been thinking about her last night because I was listening to Half Breed on my iPod, and Bonnie Burns said. I'm not going to help you at all. <laughs> all right, I'll be Bonnie. <laughs> Bonnie said, well, Bonnie said a string of things, and it really came out like this. You know, I don't want to brag, but I walked with Cher a few times. I did or not once. say I don't want to brag. And Bonnie, I said shush, I'm not shush, Bonnie. dropping. She said, I'm yeah. not name dropping, but I walked with Cher uh, once or twice. And uh, not only that, her face doesn't look good. And not only that, she's, got really, that. she's got really short <laughs> legs. I didn't say that. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, no, I knew you weren't going to get this right, Adam. Okay. Well, that's yeah. why I was encouraging. It. That's why it's I was like encouraging you mother. to say what you said. I, that's why I asked you to jump in okay, there. Okay. What but I'll you, say is, I believe the okay. quote was, "I'm not okay, going to help okay. you." Okay. Yeah. I said <laughs> what I was talking about was how great her fashion sense is, how she can pull these things off. I said I was surprised that she's not long-legged. She's very long torso. And then oh. you guys started working me over about, I don't even know what, how, why was I, I was walking with Cher and I told you where we walked and you said I didn't tell you where we walked and then Paula no. on these stupid fucking <laughs> pronouns. Is, like once I say the person's name, why do I have to keep repeating the name? Why do I have to keep saying we were walking? I don't get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh well, well, Bonnie, is it, this, it, it's it's would the kind this of be thing a meltdown. You, is that what's happening here? Is Bonnie having a meltdown? A meltdown? I'll explain yeah. it where, from from our perspective, Bonnie. When you when you talk about taking a walk with a celebrity, you're kind of obligated to sort of sum up the situation around it, and you kind of didn't. No, no. I what said, she said? You said I used I to walk with Cher. I said. Do you Just walk with the Lord, buddy? While, I used to walk with, with Cher. No, I said I used to walk with Cher because I was good friends with one of her backup singers. Yeah, but that doesn't Mavis explain Vegas it. Davis. And we used to walk. I gave from Wilshire Boulevard and, and Little Santa Monica <laughs> Boulevard to Doheny Drive and Little Santa Monica Boulevard and walk back. Yeah, that's extraneous. That's extraneous information. What we wanted to know was why you were walking with Cher. And you said, because I knew her backup singer. Was her backup singer part of the walking group? N- yes, but it was for exercise, like a little exercise and were in the, the morning. were the backup so singers behind her when they <laughs> were walking? I did. I I think you guys were so busy working me over that no. you didn't hear that part. No, okay, I forgot one thing. No, I just what's that? Yeah, I, no, that she You're was. Just, no, why were, she was getting in shape for her upcoming tour? I forgot that. Oh, part. so how many Did of you know, were in this walking group? Well, so my girlfriend and I used to walk, and then Cher joined us because she was getting in Cher, shape for the tour. And then Cher did what? She joined us, but now I feel oh, like oh, I see. Well, now uh, that that's an actual explanation. We can no, but but at least we have an explanation now. And tell me, how did she keep up with you guys on those stubby little legs? <laughs> <laughs> was she constantly yelling? Was she constantly yelling like, "Guys, wait up, wait up"? 
did you know did you, her you pulled out the dog and the jaguar and the Marnie suits? I mean, yeah, you had me laughing. <laughs> I'll say that. Okay. Did did Cher did Cher's backup singers walk behind her? <laughs> no. no, no, we were three abreast. We were three abreast. You had three breasts? Okay, yeah. see, this is extraneous information. I don't want to know how many breasts you had. You know, Gladys Knight used to walk with the pips, and um, if it was like on a trail, sometimes they fell down from spinning. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I think, Bonnie, did, I think you, Cher- did you have to join the backup singers? Like when Cher said, let's cross here, did you have to go with your friend? You both had to go, we're crossing here. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think Cher does some great tweets, and her heart's really in the right place. Well, thanks go. to you. La- ladies and gentlemen, the, the Cher endorsement from Bonnie Burns. I think, yeah. You know, and in the day, she had a terrific theatricality. She really did. Oh, I never heard that word used, theatricality. You just I keep adding syllables. I've, I've, oh, no. I've used that word with you. No, I have uh, more syllables. I have theatricalization. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I have probisonality. Uh, what is? Oh, is that a um? Is that a, a Yiddish word? It's half Yiddish word. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when you were running behind Cher? With a pretzel on a stick. <laughs> All right. Trying, are, are trying gonna... to get her to eat it. Do you remember that? Because that's not safe. Don't run with a pretzel on a stick. Um, okay. None of this is what I was planning on talking about. What I wanted to say <laughs> is that about two weeks ago, Scientific American Magazine endorsed Joe Biden. And I just want to say... Has that really turned things around? <laughs> is, there, is there a Trump supporter that came in from a rally, put their feet up on, the, on a footrest in their big easy chair and said, honey, don't bother me. I'm reading Scientific American. <laughs> you know what they say, Paula. As goes Scientific American, so goes Omni. <laughs> It's a game changer. It is a game changer. There well, were you know, so many, so many scientists that were behind Trump. I think, particularly when he said that, um, particularly when he said that the doctors couldn't figure out why he knew so much about medicine, and he thought it was because he had an uncle that was a doctor, and so naturally <laughs> he did. That was such an impressive scientific breakthrough that. You know, what scientists wouldn't be for Trump until they read the Scientific American endorsement. No, I think that if you look up the word symbolic in the dictionary, you will find um, the sentence that says Scientific American uh, endorsed uh, Biden. Because well, I'm glad I think, they did. I think it's big, Paula. I mean, if, if, honestly, if, pop, if popular mechanics goes next, it's all over for Trump. Yeah, and uh, Highlights Magazine... Highlights Magazine already, already has, um, they have, they, they changed Goofus and Gallant to uh, Trump and Gallant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, so they're, they've they're already t- Except for those Timber themselves. Toes. The Timber Toes seem to be all in with the MAGA stuff. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, if you look at any highlights magazines, the Timbertoes aren't wearing a mask. Whereas in the hidden picture, it's in the hay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, you, you know what? You know what? Well, since we're, everything is completely um, fashimmeled, as Bonnie Burns might say today, um, we've had enough from Bonnie, but we haven't said hello to Tony Anita Hall no. over in Studio City. Yeah. To- <laughs> Tony, how's your apocalypse going? <laughs> How's your how's your what going? Apocalypse. Yeah, what? Apocalypse. Oh, how's your pop apocalypse? Yeah. Uh, um, it's going really well. I uh, I actually talked to Moore Park College about podcasting yesterday for an hour. A class at Moore Park. I lectured at. Wait, wow. Was it the high school? Was that it the is high so school cool. at Moore Park College? No, it was just I, a friend. Bonnie, teacher- why did you downgrade Tony to high school? Yeah, honestly, how did <laughs> she just said? Went to, my daughter went to the high school at Moorpark College, and it's oh, a I see. terrific high school. Oh, okay. Huh. It wasn't That's the why high I was school. Asking. They were college students. It's a terrific yeah, college, if, too. If she had said, I, you know, I lectured, I lectured at Harvard, would you have said, was that the preschool at Harvard? Uh, would you... Do, <laughs> <laughs> You see, here's nobody's. This is what is so unfair. This is what I'm trying to get to you and explain to you that my life is like with these people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are putting it. It was better. Would you say, but Bonnie, on on a scale of one to ten, how was it with Cher? Cher never said a word. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't eat anything and she sipped tea. On her Wait walk? a minute! I didn't really have the same walking? relationship with her she, that I have you, with you, Paula. You, you were walking with Cher, and she was sipping tea. It's no wonder she Fuck got behind. Cher, I don't care about Cher. Oh, Who great! Hey, whoa, whoa, really? Whoa. I don't know what's happening here. Bonnie, you just lost I, Tony Anita Hall and Lan Romo. Oh, yeah. I, I went to a yeah. you I do went to not a bring that. Once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not to mention Cherokees and white people. Right? Uh, I have a headache. I tell you to fuck off, but, you know, it's so impolite. When we start you have no problem doing it earlier. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Don't waste a victim in this situation. My head is ready to explode. Okay, well. I think I'm just going to leave and go be with my dogs. <laughs> All right. Um, oh. Before, before, um, before, before Bonnie um, inserted herself into this and and then became the victim, uh, Tony, you were telling us about <laughs> you were telling us about lecturing at Moorpark College, and I'd love to hear a little bit about what you had to tell them about oh, podcasting. Wait. I just have to add something there. No, wait, wait, wait. No! This is important. No, I, because this is to show how great it is. Moorpark College is the number four or five community college in the country. My daughter goes there. Okay. Just thought I'd tell you. It's a great school. I thought your daughter was done with school. No, she went back to school. We couldn't afford the professional horse world. It's you have just to... ridiculous. I, you know, we're done talking about me. We're back on Tony. I but know. Okay, Tony. School. They were lucky to have Tony. <laughs> Tony, um... So, Tony, what did you tell them about podcasting? There you go. <laughs> they just, I mean, just what I do on this show and how I came uh-huh. to it. And 
um, what it's like, and that's about it. Did Bonnie come up at all? Things. Um, no. <laughs> was there any time during your lecture that you began to uh, cry? <laughs> <laughs> was it a lecture or was it a more of a plea for help? <laughs> Only um, towards did the you, end for a couple minutes. Did you talk about the importance of the chemistry between the podcast participants? Because <laughs> I think we've nailed that. There's no question. You, you know... Walter White couldn't come up with a better chemical formula than no. what we've come up with in the combination no. of me, Tony, Bonnie Burns, and Adam <laughs> Felber. Uh, no, we, we, really, we really have something special. Who would have thought? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I, I think our cold open this week alone was borderline genius. <laughs> <laughs> our aggrieved producer complaining about something that the audience had never heard. That's uh, That's uh, Quite an innovation. Hey, hey, Tony, had anybody heard the podcast? I don't think so, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the kids, they'd love us if they'd ever heard of us. Um, Well, um, I did, Bonnie, I did refer to you as the executive producer. (laughs) She does own an Armani suit. That was at, she was speaking, keep in mind, at, at the... At the fourth best um, uh, community <laughs> college in the country, and she referred to you, Bonnie Burns, as an executive producer. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the the minute I heard it was the fourth best community college in the country, I knew they hadn't heard our podcast. Oh my God, we're so far <laughs> off the rails. Which leads me to the question, Paula, do you have any vocabulary words for us? I. <laughs> I have a word, Adam. I, I have a word. It's insouciant. It's an adjective that means carefree, unconcerned, free from care or worry. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Otters playing in the water seem so insouciant. We'll probably never use the word insouciant again because it doesn't look like we'll get a chance to be insouciant, certainly in the rest of my lifetime, but it's kind of fun to say insouciant. So... I'm going to put it in my vocabulary song um, just so we'll have it. Hold on. I got to get my clock. Um, nobody at the fourth best uh, community college in America <laughs> has ever heard of our podcast. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of our podcast. <laughs> Moore Park College doesn't care about us. Not even the high school part. Uh, all right, here we go. Can, can you can you play simply the best on that thing? <laughs> simply the. <laughs> pretend, pretend you have tiny little legs that look good on camera. It's all I ever heard. Oh God. Uh, here we go. This You're basically the size of Honey Boo Boo. Su- <laughs> 
<laughs> this week's word is insouciant. It's an adjective that means carefree, unconcerned, free from care or worry. I'll eat it even if it's furry. Last week's word was hyperbolic. It's an adjective that means deliberately exaggerated. This podcast is richly financially compensated. The week before that, we had lugubrious. It's an adjective that means dismal and sad, like when ducks poop on everything you had. Going back before that, we had pernicious. It's an adjective that means having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. I'm spending more time on the computer every day. Moore Park doesn't care about us at all. And not long ago, we had impunity. It's a noun that means freedom from punishment or from the harmful results of an action. He fell off the roof and didn't end up in traction. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Woo! Yay, Paula! Number 95 with a bullet. Wow. You know, I've been asked to speak at the music department at Moore Park College. Yeah, I I remember the letter you got. Dear whoever you are. Yeah. It said, dear recipient. Uh, (laughs) Tony, if nobody there had ever heard of you, how did you end up lecturing? Did you just kind of hijack a class? (laughs) That's now no a friend teaches the class and she knows I work on this podcast so she and asked what me to come class talk about is it? Is it a cooking um, class? What class is it? I think it's <laughs> some kind of theater voice class, actually. Uh huh. Some kind of theater or voice class. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. Did they ask yeah. you a lot of questions? They mainly, yeah, they mainly asked me questions because I forgot that I was doing it and didn't prep anything. So, um, <laughs> so I was just like, let's just have a convo. <laughs> so, was it on Zoom or something? It w- it was on Zoom. It was on uh-huh. Zoom. And so, did they call you and say, "Where are you?" Was that the first question? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, so so everyone knows Tony is a fantastic producer and any and 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 Bonnie Burns is a fantastic executive producer and 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 manager and any college uh whether they have a high school program and a preschool program or not would be lucky to have them speak. I, I think very, they'd be lucky. Nice I think they'd be luckier if they remembered that they were speaking. But still. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That usually makes like makes the lecture better. Yeah, yeah. That's just uh, a know, pro tip uh, for future Tony. You know, I'm usually very prepared for things like that. I just wasn't this time. Um, I remember going to a Shakespeare play one time. I went to Hamlet one time, and I remember that um, just before the to be or not to be speech, the actor said, "I go now." <laughs> 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 I, 
I thought it was an interesting interpretation. It was a Hamlet that was taught co- to- caught totally off guard every single time he talked. <laughs> oh, me? Who are you people? <laughs> yeah. Same thing with I saw a, uh, uh, a Romeo and Juliet where Julia made that big speech about loving him, and he said, are you talking to me? (laughs) 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 Wherefore out who? Oh, yes. Yeah. All right, well, coming you know, up. See, we, <laughs> no, pre- we, prepare, we prepare a lot for this podcast, which is where Tony got in that good habit. I don't care if I have, I don't care if I have to use knives, teeth, or claws. I am going to get us out of this segment. <laughs> Why, were you trying to move the conversation in a different direction, Adam? Yes, in the direction of us stopping talking and getting to the next thing. Oh, oh I see. Okay. No, 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 no. No, it, it's wonderful. I just... <laughs> Uh, my love of structure is, um, uh, it's too much sometimes. All right, coming no, up. Whenever you want to go on, you just go ahead. Oh, believe me, I try. <laughs> coming up, Aristotle says, there is a foolish corner in the brain of the wisest man. We'll explore the corners of our brain with Dr. Christoph Koch. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. God help us all. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, You know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. 
That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Michelangelo said, What do you think? Disproportionate? I kind of hate to go at it with a chisel. (laughs) Thank you, house band Kevin Kelso. Oh, it's a pleasure to hear you again, man. Paula, people have been talking to you about the whole right brain, left brain theory lately, right? Well, not lately because of the pandemic, but before, both my (laughs) drum teacher and Uh my Taekwondo teacher used to refer to something. um, When they were teaching me something, they would say, well, it was going from the right brain to the left brain or the other way. I don't know. It never sounded very scientifically based to me. No, I'm I'm suspect of such things, too. It sounds a little on the hokum side. But fortunately, we have a world-renowned scientist here to set the record straight. Dr. Christoph Koch is the chief scientist of the MindScope program at the Allen Institute. He's best known for his work on the neural basis of consciousness. He's authored more than 300 scientific papers and five books about how computers and neurons process information. Please welcome Dr. Christoph Koch. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Paula and Adam. Well, thanks so much for being here. Now, all right, so what about the, is the left brain, right brain theory thing true? There's a lot of pop psychology associated with the left and the right brain, and a lot of that I would characterize as (laughs) woo-woo. I okay, use so, that to re- word. so to review the theory, uh, one side of the brain, I can't remember which, I think the left side of the brain was supposedly analytical and the right side was creative. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, what is true? Uh, in fact, due to split brain experiments done in, at Loma, uh, uh, Loma Lista Hospital in the LA area in the 40s and 50s and through the work of a neurosurgeon, Joe Bogan, they did what's called a split brain procedure. So in severe cases of epileptic seizure, to prevent the seizure from spreading from one hemisphere into the other hemisphere, you know, your brain is like a walnut, just much larger, highly convoluted, and there's two parts, the left and the right one. And connecting Mm -hmm. the two parts are 200 million fibers, 200 million uh, million, uh, wires, axons. It's called the corpus callosum. 
And what you have in epileptic seizure, you have something, some aberrant electrical activity that, let's say, starts in your right hemisphere and then spreads over those wires into the left, and then it engulfs the entire brain and you get these, you know, horrible-looking grand mal attacks. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, to prevent that, uh, as, a, uh, as a last uh, sort of recourse to surgery, you can cut the 200 million fibers. And people have done that in a few patients, and it's still done occasionally. And then what you discover, it's exceedingly interesting that for most of us, whether we're left-handed or right-handed, the speaking brain is the left brain. Only the left cortex has the capacity to really understand complex human speech of the sort oh. that you and I are doing. And only the left typically, it's called Broca's area, has the capacity to speak. And so that is true. That wow. and, and you, you might also know this if you have an, an elder relative and they have a stroke. Typically, if the stroke is on the left, particularly the left front, the patient may become aphasic. They may simply be unable to, to speak. Uh, but that happens very rarely on the right side. So there is this one asymmetry is very profound, is primarily on the left. And that has now given rise to a lot of sort of Uh, semi-superstitious behaviors about that the left supposedly is more analytical and the right is more sort of holistic, artistic, and all based on very scanty evidence, I would say. So you don't really yeah. see that? Oh, go ahead, Paula. Well, no, I was just thinking, um, first of all, when you were talking about this split brain stuff, how did anybody do such a, how did anybody figure that out to begin with? They first tested it in animals and based on animals, Uh, uh, they they um, they went to Roger Sperry, who was at Caltech, you know, in Pasadena, and they said, we mm -hmm. expect that we get this so-called lateralized behavior. Most things aren't very lateralized. By seeing, by and large, my left and my right, my, my smelling, my hearing, by and large, is left and right, more or less the same. But th there was some indication that there might be more lateralized. And then they tested this... Um, for speech, and it's totally remarkable. It, it was completely astounding. He got a Nobel Prize um, and for this discovery. And you can test it by very simple. Uh, uh, that, the very mention of Nobel Prize makes me laugh. That's actually not funny. That's um, actually true. No, he did no, get the Nobel I Prize. I know, no, the, the word, just Nobel Prize just amuses me now. That oh, I, I, uh, Because our president, of course... Uh, oh, is yes. uh, not you know nominated for the Nobel Prize, and and you can see how close the work he's done is to the, the what this guy did with the brain. Um, but 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 go on about that um, test. You said you were starting to say you can test this very easily. How very easily? So you face a patient and you give the patient under the table outside his sight. It's very important. You give him let's say a set of keys in his hand. So it doesn't seem, so you do it under the table, right? Under the table, you hand him a key into, let's say, into his left hand. And if you give it into this left hand, the left hand is controlled by the right hemisphere. Right. The person will say, well, it's a, well, you know, it's a, it's a, well, you know, it's a, it's a thing with jig, it's a, it's a, wow. he doesn't know. He or she doesn't know. If you give it into his, his or her right hand, The right hand is controlled by the left hand, by, by, by the left hemisphere, and the left hemisphere is a speaking one. The patient will say, oh, yeah, it's a set of keys. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite. But that's surprising. just in split-brain patients. That's just in, yeah, because in you and I, well, it's, it's true. Even you and I, the, the left one is a speaking one, because, but there are these 200 million fibers. They inst within two or three or four 
millisecond, within a fraction of a second, the information that's in the left will be conveyed to the right and the information uh, that's in the right will be conveyed to the left. So it's very difficult to make out any big asymmetries. Well, now, so if all this stuff goes on in the left, then what is the, is the right brain a slacker? Well, it's a... It's one of the biggest, biggest mystery in brain science. It's a very good question. What is the, the, the corresponding area? So you may have heard there's this area called Broca area, named after the French neurologist in the 19th century, who was the first to describe a patient called Tam that had a stroke in his left inferior frontal gyrus and he couldn't speak. The only thing he said is Tam, 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 which is why he was called Tam. And mm -hmm. after him, we call this area. And starting since then, since the last 170 years, the question is, what does the corresponding area do on the right? And we simply do not know. It may well be that the right is a little bit more visual. There's some evidence that the right is slightly better at processing visual, pro uh, at, uh, at processing vision images, uh, movies, etc. But that's n but that's a far cry from saying, oh, your left brain uh, uh, character or your right brain character because you're more analytical right. or more holistic artistic. That's really <laughs> woo-woo. That, that's that's woo-woo. Yeah. I, 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 use my right, uh, the, I use my right brain for um, savings. That's where I put my extra money. Uh, uh, you know, I do the same thing, and I use the left side for checking. <laughs> well, yes, well the good, good news the good news is that I haven't used my right brain at all um, well you so could say uh, Paula the left side of your brain is nothing right while the right side is nothing left oh yes oh, that's good that's good <laughs> um, is, is there really such a thing uh, sir as muscle memory yeah it's not really I mean is it in the muscle no, but if you rehearse something over and over and over, whether it's typing on your tiny keyboard on your on your phone or mm -hmm. playing tennis or, you know, soccer or, or any other thing, you do it yeah. over and over and over again. And particular parts of the, your brain are involved in doing this. And after a while, you don't need to think about it. So the character of muscle uh, uh, memory is early on, you need to be highly focused, for example, when you take a, a lesson with your tennis coach. But once uh -huh. you do it again and again and again, it's just automatically, and you can just be in the flow. In fact, typically those athletes perform better if they don't think too much, but just act out. You just do it, as Nike said. You just do it because your brain, <laughs> particularly your so-called muscle memory, which isn't really in the muscle, but your muscle memory will take over and will execute flawlessly, particularly if, you're, if you get into this place called the zone. For things that you don't do every day, let's say there's an earthquake where you are, right, which might happen in LA. You quickly have to think, okay, where's the glass? Where's the exit? Where are the big doors that I can go right. under? Where's the table? That's what you need consciousness for. Not for the things you do day in, day out, again and again. Your brain does them quite well using all these automatic procedures. So, so where do you... Oh, go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Paula. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, um, well, first of all, your, your work in the, uh, on the neural basis of consciousness, what is that? Well, there's this joke, right? I told the doctor I don't want brain surgery. He changed my mind. <laughs> right? That joke has a deep truth to it, that my mind is a, is a product or is a associated very closely with my brain. Now, that's a new realization. That's the last 200 years. Before, we thought it was the heart. So, in fact, you still say somebody, well, I love you with all my heart. But, in fact, you should say I love you with my hypothalamus. 
right? <laughs> and and we see all these statues of of uh, you know Jesus with his glowing heart. In fact, it should be Jesus with his glowing brain, because we know the brain conveys who you are. You can get heart surgery, you can get a new heart transplanted and you're still you, but you cannot get your brain transplanted without you being gone and the new person is the one whose brain uh, was transplanted into, um, into your skull. So your mind is closely associated with, uh, with your brain, but then you can ask specifically, what is it about consciousness? How does consciousness arise? So consciousness is this feeling of something, feeling of anything, any experience. Hearing you, driving, uh, you know, smelling, being upset about the state of the world, being sad about, you know, the the, the fires, having a um, particular, uh, you know, hallucinations under under mushrooms, dreaming. Those are all those are all experiences. And the big mystery has been for the past two thousand years: how can somebody something like the brain? The brain is a piece of furniture like anything else. It's subject to the same laws of physics that your car is, that the that the planet is, that a, an electron is. But the brain, unlike a car and unlike the planet and unlike electron, has this interior aspect. It feels like something. And yeah, how does. do the feelings come into the brain? Now, you know, George Bernard Shaw wrote, no diet will remove all the fat from your body because the brain is entirely fat. Without a brain, you might look good, but all you could do is run for public office. Stay tuned to find out more about <laughs> our brains. The Cat of the Week is Darwin from Troy, New York. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back with neuroscientist Dr. Christoph Koch. Paula? Yeah, Dr. Koch, I, I listened in my car to a book called Brain Rules, and uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure how much of it was accurate or how much of it was. I could swear that I I could swear that he said that there was a part of the brain that was named after Jennifer Aniston. Am I right? Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah, so this uh, work that that I was uh, I was one of the co-discoverer of this. So it's actually not. No. A, yes, it's it's um, really. <laughs> so for twenty five years, I was professor at Cal in, at Caltech, the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I worked uh, during this time with a surgeon called Isaac Fried, who was uh, uh, who had surgery uh, privileges, and he was an MD and a PhD at UCLA. And he uh, put an electrode into patients that might ha that had epileptic seizure to locate where the seizure focus is, to then in a second step take out that seizure focus, so these patients could be seizure free. So that allowed us this interval where the patient had electrode in their brain and then they were on the ward for two weeks or three weeks. That allowed us to see what we can listen to, electrically speaking, from those wires in the brain. So essentially what we're doing is just like you, you lower a microphone you know, into a gigantic uh, uh, auditorium and you listen what you can hear. So what okay. we did, we showed yeah. the patient various pictures, different pictures of people, of their loved ones, of famous people, of dogs and cats and whatever. And then what we discovered, particularly in, in, in one person who, who at the time was a, um, an engineer in Hollywood, that we, we found these neuron, this one neuron that responded specifically to different pictures of Jennifer Aniston. You just know, one neuron. <laughs> just a single neuron, yes. But then <laughs> wow. in general, what we did, we found many neurons in people that respond to very well-known either people that you are very familiar with, like your 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 kid or your your spouse, or you know people that you are very familiar with, movie stars, politicians. You know, we all have Donald Trump neurons in our head because oh, we, we. Oh damn it! We hear about him every day, and so our brain, <laughs> because our brain constantly manip, you know, our mind constantly thinks about Donald Trump, constantly unconsciously, it wires up 
not just one neuron, we just happened to come upon one because we only had a couple of dozen, you know, uh, metal wires in the brain, but there are, you know, 100 billion neurons in the brain. So we happened to come upon those neurons that seem to fire specifically for specific well-known or familiar people, including Jennifer Aniston. And right now they in the textbook, they're known as Jennifer Aniston nerve cells. That's amazing. <laughs> now, let me let me ask you, and we'll use a Jennifer Aniston um, uh, example, because when I activate that Donald Trump neuron, like everything turns to anger and hopelessness. Um, yeah, so let's talk about my, Jennifer. Hurts my heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, when we, um, when, when you have a Jennifer Aniston neuron in your brain, does it fire for anything besides thoughts of Jennifer Aniston? Does it get used for other purposes? Probably yes, but we don't know because we only have limited time to test it. Yes, but it's it's unlikely that there's going to be a highly dedicated neuron only to Jennifer Aniston or only to Donald Trump. The brain. Maybe the you know, Jennifer Aniston neuron also fires for Brad Pitt. Well, that's an interesting story. It didn't fire, so we had we also showed pictures of both of them together. Then it didn't fire. So it didn't seem to like it didn't seem to like uh, both of them together. It only fired when she was by herself. So could it be then, uh, Doctor Clark? Could it be that the person who's looking at the Jennifer Aniston picture um, is attracted to her, or has somewhere in their brain the idea of their being together, and that when you show them a Brad Pitt, he's you know he's the third wheel, he's in the way, and and, Maybe, and it yes, destroys I mean, that fantasy. I don't know. Anything is possible. <laughs> Anything is possible that's not outlawed by the laws of physics. That, that's pure speculation at this point. I don't know. Pro no, I mean, that's it's science. I was using science. It's probably more general. <laughs> Just like, you know, you think about your kids and you think about them in different situations. And so then you have a whole bunch of cells that are dedicated to dealing with your kids and their, their misadventures. And that's how you remember them later on also when you have a specific memory, right? When you have a right. specific memory of encountering your child in a particular situation because there's specific neurons. That's ultimately what memories is. Memory is a reactivation of specific neurons that call them, that, that sort of carry the, the memory code for that event that you are then reliving right uh you mm -hmm. know what let's let's get let's get to, to that a little bit and get to that through brad pitt yeah. because when 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 you say um when you say jennifer aniston um you know some theories of i guess consciousness say that like well that's gonna that's gonna raise the possibility that that things like brad pitt might more easily raise into your consciousness, right? You've thought of Correct. Jennifer Aniston, so Brad Pitt can't be far behind. What is that, at least in your studies, what is that line between what we call consciousness and subconsciousness? So I call it, so subconscious is a Freudian term, and which I don't like to right. use. So there's this line you point out between unconscious and conscious, right? Right. But most of your processing is unconscious. Most of the stuff you do, the vast majority probably, you're not conscious of. You have no idea how you talk, right? Right. I mean, you you hear, you. I ask you a question and then you hear these words come out of your mouth, but you're not consciously there saying, okay, this is what he said. This is what he means. Now I need to refer to this memory and then I need to refer to that fact and then I need to put it together in proper English and then I send it to my output. No, you just, yeah. it just comes out of your mouth. That's all unconscious. Most of your things, how you walk, how you talk, how you chew gum, most of that is unconscious. I have to really think about chewing gum, which is why I don't chew gum. Well, that uh, is conscious. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I'm not good at it at all. It takes a lot of work. It actually takes up consciousness, consciousness yes. for me to chew gum. So some of this 
makes me think about my own brain in this way, which is, uh, you, you know, like here, here's something like in our house, if I see, uh, if I see like a spill on the floor, right? Some water on the floor, the cat peed on the floor. I have a lot of cats. Then I think, <laughs> oh, I have to go get a cloth and I have to clean this up. But like when my kids were living here, they could see the same thing and they would think, step over that and leave the room. And these weren't, <laughs> they, their brains just didn't go to the other idea naturally. If I were to say to them, could you get a cloth and go clean that up? They would do it. But I don't think that they had the consciousness to go, oh, problem. Let me fix it. No. Is that is that because there's there, are are neurons different? No, the the basic hardware is the same, but you're wired up in different ways. You have different life experiences. You know, when you grow up, those life experiences shape your brain. So even if you take two twins, even assuming let's say you had an identical twin, so you started out with the same brain, assuming that, then assume they have different experience your twin brain go uh, your twin sister goes away somewhere else has a different relationship her brain will become different because she, she forms different associations so she might like dogs rather than cats and then she gets a whole bunch of dog association our brain ultimately reflects the sum of all of our experiences conscious or unconscious mm -hmm. got you so 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 it's not your kid's fault is what the doctor's saying paula it's their brain yeah, that's a complicated question, Adam, because you can say, well, a criminal, that's not his fault. It's just his brain made him shoot this guy or rob or whatever. Right. Right. So yeah. that you can't just use that as an excuse to say, well, we are all zombies. None of us has free will and we just act out what our brain does. Right. That's like right. saying, well, I'm going into a restaurant. I don't really know what I like. So I just wait for my brain to make up a decision whether I should get the red wine or the white wine. It right. doesn't quite uh, work like that. It's it's more complicated. Yeah, I think Not Adam Adam has stumbled into a little morality play that we yes, weren't. Oh, a big morality originally. play <laughs> <laughs> that your mentor Dan Dennett talks about a lot. You know, is there such thing as free will, or is it just oh, your honor, my brain made me do it. Yeah. Right. Uh, I should mention to, to our listeners, Dan Dennett was uh, my, my professor in college. I'm still uh, sometimes in touch with him. And he is, uh, uh, Dr. Cock has debated him a lot about consciousness. And there are a lot of interesting models of consciousness out there. Here's a funny one, or at least one that people love, which is um, an, an old book by a, a man named Julian James. It's called The Ape That Spoke or something like that, right? No, and no, it's no, no. It's called the, break, the Origin of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. Right, the origin of consciousness and the breakdown of the bicameral mind, and, just and you a, just thought a, it was the brain that you thought it was the ape that spoke. It's a related book. It, it, the I potential see. was raised in my brain when I when I thought of it. Um, but <laughs> it was the your general neurons. Yes, they are. The general you, idea you, you there. Are, is, uh, you are about a foot away from thinking of of Brad Pitt. You have no idea what I'm thinking about right now. Um, Brad Pitt. So the general idea of that book is that, um, and it's 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 a lovely idea. Is that early man heard voices in his head and thought it was the gods. And at one point, uh, somebody, re they, they realized, hey, those aren't gods. That's just part of our brain talking to another part of our brain. Is that, that's a general theory, right? And is it true? There's no evidence whatsoever that any of this theory is remotely true, but it's a very pretty, it's a very pretty theory, but I would say it's complete fluff. So, <laughs> so, I, 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 we were, t so this whole thing began about left brain, and right brain. And it turns out that it's all left brain and the right brain does very little. Is no, that, no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. For language. 
for language. In most of us, Paula, it's it's the left brain that that understands, speak, and that speaks. Okay, I was I I was. Uh, I was a little harsh on the right brain. Yes. I apologize. Yeah, that was really mean. Um, That's yeah. offensive to half of me. Yes, that was um, mean. What's the brain made of? <laughs> uh, cells, like any, like your liver. It's uh, you know three pounds of brain cells. The two types of brain cells: they're n- nerve cells, neurons, and then they're supporting cells called glia cells and astrocytes. And you also have a bunch of immune cells in there, and of course. Lots of blood cells because the the stuff needs to be supplied with oxygen. In fact, that's why you faint, right? If somebody chokes you for more than ten seconds, you faint. It's a it's an emergency response because the brain by itself has no power uh, supply, no power reserve, and so then it shuts down. It's very it uses a lot of energy. Your brain, one fifth of all your energy at rest is used by your brain. It's, oh, for for me, it's only a sixth. Well, um, well, they they say the chess. I've been play- in low power mode since 1997. <laughs> they say the chess players lose weight while playing. I mean, real chess players. Um, yeah, but that's probably due to st- uh, general stress relating. It's not. It's unlikely to be the brain metabolism that runs that hard because their skull isn't hotter than your my uh, skull when we you know when we think. Oh. Sorry. Oh, so it's just from stress. Look, the brain is vastly more complex than anything else we've ever confronted in science. And so, therefore, it's very, 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 very difficult to understand. And we keep on being surprised by it because it does these weird things that we don't fully understand. <laughs> right. Why does, um, why does not getting sleep for a long period of time affect your brain to the degree that you might have hallucinations? Because sleep is an essential guardian of your health. If you don't sleep enough, you get all sorts of problems. You're, you are much more likely to get sick. You're much more likely to have accidents. You're much less likely to remember things. You can see your quality of your thinking goes down. Yes, in the extreme case, you can become paranoid or you can become hallucinations. So we know now this is, again, we learned over the last 30 years, sleep is essential for most things in, in your life, including for things like depression. There, there are people now discovering links between uh, possibly lack chronic lack of sleep, uh, particularly when you're in your working years, let's say you have a night shift or something like that, and possible mm-hmm. connection later on to dementia, like Alzheimer or frontotemporal dementia. So, you know, as we learn more and more about sleep, we, really, we begin to realize it's absolutely essential to live a, a healthy and a sane life, not just your brain, but your body, your immune system, etc., your, your, your stability. But now we realize they're much more likely, for example, to make mistakes if, if they stay longer than 8 or 10 or 12 hours. We know this. People have done lots of studies, right? They're more likely to do all sorts of bad things uh, because they, they just simply can't think straight anymore after 10 hours or 12 hours. Yeah. Wow. Boy. You I, need I, your I, sleep. There's, there's so much. The, the brain is like the, you know, the ocean or space. It, it, there's just so much to know about it. It's your mind. Your mind is complex, so therefore the brain has to be complex, has to reflect that vast complexity of the human mind. Well, yes. I'm going to uh, try not to wear my brain on my sleeve anymore. <laughs> um, you, you, <laughs> your heart, your heart. Uh, yeah, you've, you've, it's been so much fun talking yeah. to you. I, I well, that like was enjoyable, particularly the Jennifer v- Aniston neuron. Very much so. Thanks to Dr. Christoph Koch, our brains have gotten quite a workout, and now... We're going to take that information and run it through the brain machine we call the old Poundstonator. Paula? 
Hey, Kevin, if I can get a little background music, I'll tell you what the Pounce Donator spit out. I worked at the Paperback Booksmith on Boylston in Copley Square in Boston in 1979 when drawing on the right side of the brain came out. It was a trade-sized book and I lived on bookseller's pay so I couldn't possibly afford it, but the cover called to me. The right side of my brain was the creative side. There was something I could do to make myself more creative. As you know, I have memory problems and I'm not very good at telling right from left to begin with. Plus, does that mean my right or right from the perspective of my potential brain surgeon? I always meant to get around to developing that side, the creative side. It's a project I've put off for a long time. It's been on the left side of my list. I just haven't gotten around to it. Enter Dr. Christoph Koch. Turns out it's a theory that is a little woo-woo. It's not proven. There are, I've learned, two sides to the brain. The left side does the talking, the language, the understanding. I talk a lot. It's the bane of my existence, really. Maybe this newfound information is a life-changing breakthrough for me. Normally, I can't shut up. I talk to myself. I talk to my pets. I do cameo videos that are too long. People ask me to make a birthday video for their Uncle Jack. I talk into the camera for an hour before I even mention Uncle Jack. Maybe, armed with this new left brain does the language information, if I just lean my head to the right, I can st- <laughs> He is the chief scientist of the MindScope program at the Allen Institute, Dr. Christoph Koch, thank you so much for coming down and being on our show. Thank you for having me, Adam and Paula. That was enjoyable. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, we had a great time talking to you. Thank you, sir. Coming up, mailbag. That's coming up right after this. Fun fact, the indigenous Nahua people of South America have the same word for avocados as they do for testicles. So if you go to one of their restaurants, don't order the guacamole. We now join the French Trump Weekly Friday Press Conference in progress. Mr. President, yes, thank you so much, uh, Susan Taylor with Essence Magazine. When taking questions outside the White House the other day, a reporter asked you for your reaction to our country reaching 200,000 people who have died of COVID-19, and you turned away and asked if there were any other questions. Do you have a response? Next question. Mr. President, please quick follow-up. Yes, you, sir, you. Yes. Thank you, Mr. President. Tony Romo again with ABC News. You have said that Biden is against God. What makes you say that? Tony, it's what Stormy Daniels shouted out when she climaxed during sex with moi. And I believe it was God speaking to me through her. Next question. Next question. 
we're back. Well, Paula, we have an update on our vocabulary contest. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, Tony. Once again, to remind people, it was episode 109, which is starting to fade in our rearview mirror, um, where we sequestered a bunch of vocabulary words from our vocabulary song. And we said that the first person to guess all of those words um, by listening to episode 109 would win a Zoom call with Paula Poundstone and Adam Felber for themselves and up to a hundred of their friends. Now, you don't have to have a hundred friends in order to win the Zoom call. Uh, we were just saying up to a hundred friends in case, like, the the great Gatsby got the prize. Um Right, but, and then you'd uh, have to start culling the list. Exactly. So all, all you have to do, you go to episode 109 and listen for vocabulary words. Now, I have to confess, when I first came up with the idea, I thought we'd throw in a few vocabulary words, but what happened is once we got started throwing in vocabulary words and, and they were from all of us, we just yeah. kept throwing them in there. So there's a bushel right. of them. Um, there's so, a whole bushel. There's a peck. Yeah, so you can only submit one time. If you've already submitted, then you must have already uh, uh, missed it. Um, so right, and, we- and if you haven't guessed already, people, the update that I, that we have here is that nobody has won yet. <laughs> Wait, no, I'd like to hear it officially. I'd like I'd like to hear it officially. Tony, how are we doing with the vocabulary contest? We have no winner. <laughs> that wow. is the official. She paused before she answered that. Yeah, she no. she had to really because she thought for a minute there was a winner, and then they no. So there's no there's no winner. If you're out there and thinking like, well, I haven't answered um entered that contest yet, maybe I ought to uh, take a crack at it. This is a good time to do it because uh, nobody's actually done it. Everybody's coming really close, but most of them are missing one word. And according to Tony, it's almost always the same word. All right, so I I don't want to be unfair here by giving hints to people who haven't yet submitted, right. um, but I'm just gonna go ahead and 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 and, and uh, be unethical. Um, soiree is not <laughs> soiree is not one of the vocabulary words. I I don't even know if we said it, but if we did say it, it wasn't a vocabulary word. That- that would be a red herring if it was there, and it's probably not. Hey, Paula, we have a mailbag segment to get to. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking. I'm so, so excited. We love, hearing, we love hearing from the nobodies out there, even when they're um, even when they're a little critical of us, and, uh, and uh, quite a few have been They tend lately. to be, so, by the way. There have been a lot of critical uh, comments. Yeah, um, yeah, our fans, yeah. Uh, our fans have a, you know— they have a relationship with us where they they feel yeah. like they need to let us know what we're not doing right, which we <laughs> we love that. Um, yeah, and I want the fans to know it rolls off me like water on a duck's back. So don't don't worry about me. Yeah, keep it coming, everybody. Uh, so now it's time for, ladies and gentlemen, mailbag. Oh, oh, wait. Mailbag. Oh, hold on. Oh, damn it. No, we're okay without that. <laughs> Go for it, Paula. Oh, there it is. Mail oh, ba- shit. Mailbag. Okay, great. Okay, so let's uh, Which one is let's it? call is it up this? to the mic. Uh, <laughs> Tony Anita Hall, who, uh, yes. if you weren't listening earlier, we discovered uh, uh, teaches um, 
podcasting dynamics at Moorpark Community College. And Tony, if I'm not mistaken, during that last interview, you got invited to speak at another community college? I, uh, another college, I don't know if it's community, but uh, yeah, I, I, hot, I'm a, a hot ticket, hot item, whatever you want to say. Well, wow. we have, uh, we have had to go, go through so much to get you on this show. Um, yeah, we're just lucky to have you. And yeah, we are. And uh, you've you've been sorting through our mailbag. I have. And are you are you mailbag. ready? Oh, we are ready. Tell us tell us okay. what the listeners are Wait, thinking. What, we what do you, we love what, the listeners. What what are we looking at again? Mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> oh shit! This will only happen a hundred more times. Yeah. Yeah. You know. A lot of times when Beethoven would play, he'd go like, da-da-da, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would say wait all the time. Wait and sorry yeah, wait. were like this too much I wasn't common. ready. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait. Let me adjust my ear horn. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. Tony, are you still with us? Or have I'm you gone here. back to community I, college? Okay. I just want to let the the genius do her work. I don't want to interrupt. Well, okay. Thank I'll you, let Tony. She shows up. Um, anyway, Tony, um, if I ever open a college, you're going to be the first uh, speaker, <laughs> first guest lecturer. Thank you. Um, yeah. All right, so Tony, what's in the mailbag? Okay, so we have Heidi McBride Fritz who wrote, "I loved the ducks and the verbal charades." Have Thank to you, Heidi. say this. I have to say, this latest episode seemed like about half an episode, plus a lot of discussion of the duck episode, people's book plugs, and other podcast plugs. And why was there half a French Trump podcast there, too? Did some other guest cancel? Also, Adam laughs uproariously at things that aren't funny. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Heidi. Thank you. She was talking about the baseball show. Adam gets things on a different level, perhaps, than Heidi is able to. I would just like to say that. You know, and Heidi, it was not half a French Trump episode. The French Trump mini podcast, uh, not to plug it, but the French Trump mini podcast (laughs) is about 10 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, something like that. Whereas we played a minute and a half of a French Trump, uh, uh, which is not... Uh, 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 Miss Mathematician is not half a French Trump. <laughs> no, think of it as think of it as a um, a French Trump mini mini podcast within our podcast. It was a it was a French Trump antipasto. It was a little sampling. It was a poo poo platter. It was a French Trump poo poo platter. It was a little sampling of French you mean Trump poo poo platter, probably. And the uh, poo poo platter. That's what I meant. Poo poo platter. Yeah. And the yeah, reason right. that we plugged so many things is we have a lot of things. You know, right now, right. now that you mention it, pl- that's right, Heidi. We have my book, the totally unscientific study of the search for human happiness, <laughs> and of course, Adam's right. book and. Uh, uh, the Schrodinger's and, uh, Ball, a novel uh, beloved by reviewers. If not exactly. Readers. Yeah, um, we have the my my uh, my game show, and 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 I got t shirt. I, I mean, w- w- I'm not supposed to bring that stuff up. We got the and, Poundstone and- Pussy Pillows and the <laughs> and and, it, and its adjunct pro- product, the Felber Feline uh-huh. Fun Bags. And keep in mind, Heidi, 
this all happened before I learned that I could just turn my head slightly to the... (laughs) (laughs) And and then that happened. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, and and, and we haven't even brought up things like the um, uh, Paula's cameo appearances or... Or my my new venture, the Starburn Sports Sunday simulcast, where you can watch ESPN baseball games on Sunday evening and, and tune in to us for your audio at starburnsports.com. If people really want it, by the way, Heidi, I, I would make them cookies and sell those for a couple of bucks. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I walk my dogs every day, so I'm happy to walk your dogs. And uh, I can send you a picture of me. That's a dollar. And uh, there's, there's a dollar, a dollar. So you gotta keep in mind, Heidi, that we had a lot of stuff available, and Adam gets things on a different level, and I didn't yet know about the left brain, right? A dollar! <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right. What else? Well, Tony, what else right, do what, we have? What else you got, Tony? Okay, so this is from Michelle Sell. I pretty much... <laughs> oh, sh- sh- <laughs> speaking of... Oh speaking God. of... S- Speaking of selling, I have a remarkably soft tri-poly t-shirt <laughs> that I want to tell Heidi about. All right, go ahead, Michelle Sell. Go ahead, Johnny. Like, okay, that's a real much- name. That's... It's not even a real name, Michelle Sell. That's silly. I pretty much lost it during that entire part of your episode with the powdered milk and being single. As I was washing all of the ashes off my car while wearing a respirator, feeling depressed, I couldn't have felt more uplifted by this segment. See, Heidi? Isn't that? Yeah, (laughs) Heidi. Yeah. (laughs) That That was just before we cut to the commercial about the (laughs) (laughs) about the running shorts that i've been making oh my god yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and if you're gonna buy paula's running shorts and you're a man you might want to look into those felber's finest jock straps (laughs) wear them right under the shorts Um, which you can go right to my website and i'll model it um, all right. <laughs> uh, all right, Tony, what else is in the mailbag? We've got Carolyn Fetzko. Okay, once more, stop picking on Bonnie. Her hint to use powdered milk was terrific. I always used creamer reluctantly because it was handy and never went bad. I never even thought to use powdered milk in my coffee. You don't have to require that Bonnie say what is new. What is new going on in her life? She can say any damn thing she wants. She is a wonderful sport laughing along with all your kidding. And I must admit, I giggled too. Tuesday is the highlight of the week for me. Thanks so much for getting me through tough times. Carolyn. I find this interesting because, yeah, go ahead, Paula. What a lot of people don't realize is that um, Bonnie got into some legal trouble years ago. Her name used to be Carolyn Fetzko, and uh, <laughs> she changed it. <laughs> but she still emails under that name. Yeah, exactly. So, Bonnie, what I want to thank you about so much Carolyn's, for that email. What I liked about Carolyn's email is that she opened with a, with a, with a large 
type saying, stop picking on Bonnie. And by the end of the email, she's telling us how much she enjoys it when we pick on Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Let let Carolyn let Carolyn try to follow something Bonnie is telling her when when she only uses proper nouns like once a day. <laughs> I'm on the subject already. <laughs> Bonnie, yeah, Bonnie will call me at like three in the afternoon and say, well, he did. And then I heard from her and then she was, and then they, you know, they were being very difficult. And I'll say, who the fuck are you talking about? And she'll go, you remember from last night. I said it already. <laughs> Bonnie has had all of her pronouns taken away from her. Uh, she's she's on pronoun probation right now. She's not allowed to use pronouns anymore. All right. Um, we we didn't we didn't bring Bonnie up with Doctor Cock because I, I mean that's a that's a neuroscientific uh, you know yeah boondoggle you know, in its own right. But like there is that thing where she where Bonnie just assumes that you know what she's talking about. Yeah. No, she does do that. Um, apparently, they did some studies uh, where um, they had people's brains wired, and then they showed them a picture of Bonnie Burns, and they just said Wahilo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut for Paula Poundstone fans, uh, for fans of the podcast. Uh, speaking about fans of the no, podcast. They, say, they show them a picture of Bonnie Burns, and they go, it's her. It's her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's her, that person who does the yeah. stuff. Oh, you it's remember? Yeah. Shut up, you remember? <laughs> fuck you guys. Fuck yeah, go fuck all yourselves. Yeah, see, the listeners don't know the whole Bonnie Burns story. All right. Yeah, uh, listen. All right, let's move on, Tony. Who else we got? Mailbag. It's Scott Baker. Uh, he wrote that. That early 20th century Wall Street investor Bernard pronounced his last name Baruch, not Barak, as Adam said. Sorry, many of his sayings were more sage than his investment advice. Oh, many of his sayings were more sage than his investment advice. Um, yeah, because his investment advice was give me a dollar. Um, so it's Bernard Baruch. Well, thank you, Scott, because that's going to come up over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, impor that's important. That's um, important. Uh, you know, people's names are important. Uh, look, we, we spent a lot of time on that. Uh, believe me, uh, like just in pre-production for tonight's show, I think uh, this sentence must have been said at least a dozen times. Is it really pronounced Dr. Cock? <laughs> yeah, we did say that. Yeah, we said we that were. quite a lot. That's not a mistake you want to make if that's the incorrect pronunciation. If it's that, it turned um, out to be correct. Yeah. I want to thank um, Scott Becker for uh, that. <laughs> I th uh, Paula, I, I hate to, I hate to be, to, to be a quibbler here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he pronounces it Bakir. Oh, Bakir and uh, yes. Scott. Uh, Scott Bakir. Thank you so much. For helping us with that. I mean, the truth is, Scott, what you're not realizing is that now that we've already said Bernard's name, he's just going to be referred to as he and him from here on in. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Mailbag. Yeah. All right. What yeah, else you got guy. there, Tony? <laughs> um, so this is from Maureen Smullen. 
Uh, speaking of Adam, and I mostly hate to start a conspiracy theory, but has anyone realized that Adam and Thomas Coyne are never in the same room at the same time? Is I never thought about Thomas that. Thomas Coyne, in addition to being a survivalist, maybe he is also a master of disguise. Adam oh. protests way too much about all of us verifying where Thomas Coyne is not. In fact, Adam's the only one who's protesting the diligent and exhaustive scientific search for Thomas Coyne. Oh. I'm not saying I'm right, but something about Adam slash Thomas is a bit fishy. Hmm? Wow. That is that is some innuendo, and that's Trump-esque innuendo. You know, I'm not uh, saying it, and I hope it's not true, but people are saying that. People are saying. Yeah, people yeah. have been talking I'm about hearing, the Adam. I'm hearing, yeah. The Adam Thomas um, uh, thing uh, for quite a while. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good the, the, point. I've never seen. I have. You're absolutely right. I have never seen Adam and Thomas Coyne at the same time. That's a very good point. I would add to that that you've never seen Thomas Coyne. Yes, but I... <laughs> that's extraneous. No one needs that. I that's feel extraneous. like that's a, da- that's a data point right there. No, it isn't. I will, I will say there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around along out there and that the, me being Thomas Coyne is not the most ridiculous. There's one going around about the, uh, the tragic murder of our intern, Doug. I have received notes accusing us not only of making up Doug's murder, but doing it just to get listeners and pointing out that we no. uh, introduced Doug only when we introduced the fact that he was murdered. And I think that that does a disservice to Doug, his family, all of us here at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, and everybody his pets? who really, it does really a cared about Doug. To his pets? Did it, has anybody talked about the fact that um, uh, uh, a pet, uh, Doug had a pet rat, which we didn't re- even really find out until uh, we saw photos of the crime scene. Uh, but he did. He had a pet rat. That's right. Um, and, of course, Tony Anita Hall adopted Edmund. Edmund the rat. How's Edmund doing, Tony? <laughs> Edmund's great. <laughs> he couldn't yeah. be better. He's never looked huh. happier. Okay, so yeah. maybe. Oh, oh, wait, are you saying that Edmund might have had something to do with Doug's murder? <laughs> <laughs> Boy. This, this thing goes how, deep in any case. <laughs> how low is it to throw a, 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 his pet rat under the bus like that? That is low. <laughs> well, t- t- Tony said he's never been happier. You, you hear yeah. that a lot on those detective yeah. shows. Um, he, you know, it's funny. Uh, Edmund didn't even wait to find another owner. He just right away yeah. went to, to Tony's open arms. His that's bags were sus- yeah, yeah, that's a little that, suspicious. That was yeah, I she reads aloud to him yeah. from Stuart Little late at night. It's almost as though all that stood between Tony and happiness with Edmund the Rat was Doug the intern. <laughs> something, something to think of. Something to yeah, put some a- thought to. Yeah. Mailbag. <laughs> All right, now, um, um, t- Tony and Anita Hall, are we done with mailbag? We're done. All Let right, everybody, that's Adam. mailbag. You know, oh fuck, hold on, wait, wait. Oh my god. <laughs> mailbag, mailbag. <laughs> um, now, uh, how are we wow. doing at keeping the show shorter? By the way, how are we doing? <laughs> Not at that? so well. Um. <laughs> But you'll be glad to know, now that we have that mailbag segment behind us, mailbag, um, we have, um, 
you know, we have that section of the show where we get to do plugs. <laughs> oh, and you know what we, we haven't talked that. about? You know what we haven't? <laughs> Heidi, is that you? Heidi, I have a new goofy little game show called Nobody Asked You starring Paula Poundstone. It's kind of the cut-off jeans and wax lips of game shows. <laughs> you can find it on YouTube, and the winner can choose anything they want from the store at my website. Wow, Paula, that's amazing. And you know what? If, if that's not enough, I'm not going to do my plug because, um, you know, the listeners have already heard all about the Starburn Sunday Sports Simulcast where they can watch uh, the ESPN Game of the Week uh, on their TVs and, and just uh, go to starburnsports.com to get uh, funny uh, audio commentary live by me and Jeff Cesario and a whole bunch of really funny guests, including people like Matt Price, Peter Sagal, and Alonzo Bowden. Well, I'm so glad you didn't explain that on this show. No, no, because there's no need to, because I don't know if any of our listeners noticed, but we actually slipped some promos into the earlier section of Mailbag. Let me just say this. Our plugs on this show were brought to you by Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to enter our theme song contest, once again, send your song uh, to nobodylistensoballpounds at gmail.com. And that's our show, everybody. Lucky you. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Christoph Koch. And thanks to house band returning champion Kevin Kelso. We love you, man. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. And thank you to our former intern, Doug Gone, but not forgotten, except by his rat. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. Tony Anita Hall is available for lectures at colleges. (laughs) (laughs) That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You know how many colleges have asked me to lecture about podcasts? How many? How many? None. Me too. I'm, I, I double that. Double that for me. Because I'm available. I mean, God knows I'm available. Oh, you couldn't be more available. Um, <laughs> no, I could not be. <laughs> I've had colleges ask me not to come. <laughs> wow. Just preemptively? Yeah, just... <laughs> I just got, you know, postcards, you know, with like a picture of a, you know, the central focus building on the college campus and just on the back, it says, don't, don't come here. Don't come here. We, we, we got it covered. Here's our chapel. We don't want to see you in it. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad. I, I, one time on the back of a matchbook, um, I saw an advertisement that said, don't you dare draw Binky. <laughs> that's going back you got you know yeah yeah you got that's yeah. uh we got we're serving all demographics here yeah that that place big in the nursing home <laughs> set <laughs> <laughs> Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network